0: So we now take up at the end of our study of the Hudderberg Catechism for this season, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven today is hearing these words then of Christ in an understanding of the one that we come to. And so we hear these words and then we'll turn to the teachings of Lord's Day 46. But here in Matthew 7, beginning at verse 7, Christ speaks, Ask and it will be given to you. Thus far, the reading of God's holy and inspired word. We also take our Trinity Psalters then, and it's back pages, page 894. Page 894 and to questions 120 and 121 on Lord's Day 46, page 894, right column near the top of the page, question 120 asks, why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God has become our Father and will much less refuse to give us what we ask in faith than will our parents refuse us the things of this life. Why the words, who is in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul thus far our Confession. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts before your word, you bring us to the wonder of that relationship we have with you in prayer. And so we ask that you would not only instill in us a greater desire to fellowship with you, but Father, that in the way that we pray, we would fully give witness to and adore you for who you are and who you have revealed yourself to us to be. And so with the words of my mouth and the meditations of our spirits, Father, not only be pleasing to you, but that as your word is proclaimed, that we would be changed by it to the glory of your name. And so, Father, bless the words that are spoken. May they have the full unction of your spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, beloved of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Father in heaven, are words that from perhaps the, the very youngest that you can remember are words that you memorized as a child. We remember the creed, we remember the Lord's prayer. And they're words then that just roll off the tongue. In fact, there are probably many people in the world who would be able to probably speak the majority of the words of that prayer. But while they roll off the tongue in that way or are a part of our mind, they're not always words that we give a whole lot of thought to. It's just a title like saying someone's name or calling out to them for something. But what are we saying? When we say our Father, what are we claiming? What are we confessing? What are we believing? Because we have to know, because prayer, as we confessed the last time we were in the catechism, is the chief part, the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. And so we need to know Him. That in calling out a name, it's not as though we're in a restaurant calling for the next party to be seated and we have no idea who they are. That just becomes an identifier, no, what we're speaking is, again, that of relationship. And so we need to know, we need to believe the one we come before in prayer. And that's going to come out then in the ways that you pray. And maybe sometimes that's why we're, we're hesitant to pray out loud or, or hesitant to pray in other people, because we're, we're giving a testimony. We're speaking truth even in those ways as we have that communion with God, but, but as we hear that from each other. We're going we're to reveal what we give ourselves to know and believe. It's going to reveal what we think about God and believe about God and what we think of His Word. It's going to reveal what we consider concerning His holiness and His glory. It's going to reveal the level of trust that you have in Him. It's going to reveal what your heart longs for. It's going to reveal whether you believe or whether you or whether you don't. And so our prayers in that way become a vital witness. It's a witness then of what a relationship with a holy and almighty God, a relationship with a faithful and loving Father is to be all about as we are found in his Son, Jesus Christ. But it's about that relationship. Even G.I. Williamson writes in his commentary, true prayer begins with a relationship to the true God. It's why it's a, a terrible thing in taking that name up when we have no, no desire to know Him. When we see people just use this as a mantra, something to pray before a, a ball game or something, and it, there's no substance to it. And so that's the call to you this morning, to ask and seek that the Lord would reveal Himself to you in His Word and Spirit that he would draw you close by way of repentance and faith, and that in joy and peace in believing you would keep coming, and you'd keep speaking with him, and you'd keep presenting yourself before him, before an awesome God who says, I want you to call out my name. I want you to know me who grants us the privilege of speaking that name and of speaking to him all of our needs and our concerns and our our doubts and our struggles and our joys and our brokenness and our comfort and our peace and everything. Always there, always ready, always willing. Knowing that he hears and that he's able to work wonders in us and in everything around us. And for those of you in that relationship, then, that challenge is what? What witness are you giving in your prayers? What witness are you giving when you don't pray? What are you speaking and living concerning what you believe about your Father who art in heaven? And so Jesus speaks that proper witness in Matthew 7. That our prayers give witness to reverence and trust as we depend on our Father God For all things. So that's the theme we want to briefly consider this morning. Our prayers give witness to reverence and trust as we depend upon our Father God for all things. And that witness given in the words of our text and of our confession this morning is that he is basically awesome and that he is majestically almighty. That if we cling to those things and remember that, not only in relationship to him, but also in knowing what he's revealed, we have every reason to fear, but also every reason to trust and to be thankful. But in sin, we don't take the time to think about that. And that isn't just, again, in this space and place among those who have been redeemed, but but the world in general, who hears that our Father and is left disaffected by it. In sin, we don't know his awesomeness. In fact, we close our eyes to it. We harden ourselves, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And so when Jesus Christ draws near to us to save us, to bring us into that relationship again with the Father, He brings us first into union and communion with Himself. That, that's the space and place. That's why we come. That's why we end our prayer for Jesus' sake or in Jesus' name. We recognize that He is the only reason we have that relationship. But in bringing us into relationship with him, into full union and communion with himself, he brings us, through his righteousness, into relationship with the Father. And in the fullness, then, of what that name means as he reveals that. So it's not a father in name only. It's not a father as a nice title of family of which we really know him to be this wrathful, angry, vengeful No, we come to Him rightly. And that reality should still blow us away no matter how long we've believed. That that God, that the fathers of sovereign over all things, calls us to call Him that on the basis of the great sacrifice of His Son. And so we want to do that. We draw near to him. That is our privilege. And so we may do so in the power of Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, to run away from God. That part in Exodus 20 where Moses draws near and everybody else backs off. No, no, no. It's a test. But but draw near. Keep coming near because this is the way that he has afforded to you. And that way now is completed in Christ. So come and keep coming. Why? Because you've been delivered from sin. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We've been delivered from the fear of condemnation, the fear of eternal judgment, and saved then into a godly fear and thanksgiving. And that should be modeled and given witness to right at the beginning of our prayers. Because not only do we cry out, Abba, because he is awesome in all that he has done and spoken, but because we're commanded to do so. We long to do so now, but that is his command. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? Again, because that is who he is as those found in Jesus. But then it becomes more, right, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer. The thing that should be kind of in that way, the duh of our praying. Of course that's what it is. Of course that's who we come before. It's a reminder that our Father is basically awesome. And now you're hearing that word and you're saying, well, well Pastor, that, that word today, I mean, for something to be basic is not really all that great. It, those are just the, the beginnings of things. Well, that's not to say that he isn't awesome in very basic ways. But rather the definition of basically. That he is most awesome in the most essential respects. Fundamentally, he is the summary of the most important aspects of awesomeness. And it's this God who is awesome. Extremely impressive. Impressive. Daunting, inspiring, great admiration, apprehension, or fear. And Jesus is saying, you are to know him thusly. To be mindful as you draw near to him of who you're coming near. To call out to him then, in that right understanding of godly fear and respect. Because there is something of taking His name on our lips and of calling out to Him and recognizing in and of ourselves that we are not worthy, but we come as commanded in Christ. A respect here is almighty and holy God, the one if we present ourselves in ourselves, we are ruined before. Mindfulness. But yet remembering through all of that and not getting hung up there, that we are his children and heirs of his kingdom. That if you think about that sometimes where we look perhaps at British royalty if you follow it. Or, or even thinking about the, the children of presidents, right? I mean, here are those people given, certainly in England by way of title alone. But, but in this country, a place of power and authority. In that way, a place of privilege. And so there is an authority, a a fear, and a respect that rightly should be due them because of their office, and yet their children still come to them. These are normal interactions. We're going to share meals together. We're going to be around each other. We're going to love each other. And so it's still both, and it's being mindful of the same. And so that is the balance that now Christ is speaking to us in our prayers. That sometimes, fathers, perhaps with your daughters, or maybe more often than not with our sons, there comes a little bit of that snark and disrespect in the way that they speak to us, as though we're much more familiar than we should be. Hey, you know what? There should be no disrespect in your tone, no disrespect in your word. It's no different with the Father, and yet we keep coming because he loves us, and he delights that we come. And so that basic understanding of his basic awesomeness should bring us to what every time that we pray? To believe. What we're praying is a testimony of what we believe. So we believe and we say and we confidently assert, Father, you are who you say you are. We believe in the ways that you have revealed yourself. We believe that this is the way you show yourself in all of the works of your hands. We believe that you are awesome by way of your words and your works, in all of your deeds, in all of your declaration, in all of your power, and in all of your promises. That's what we speak when we pray that it says elsewhere in our catechism, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is mine, is my God and Father for the sake of Christ his Son. And again, that That's where the wonder and the privilege of calling him our Father in our prayers ought to land. Yes, he is to be believed as the creator and sustainer God. But for the sake of Christ his Son, you are now a son and daughter of an almighty Father and King. And so it leads us to more fully believe in what Christ has done to make us children of God. And so we make sure then to approach him in that way. Am I found in Christ not having a righteousness of my own? Am I calling out to him in that status? Approaching him in Christ and through Christ. Most fully believing in what Christ has done to make us a child approaching him then as a child of the Father, not wanting to do a disservice to his name, but to live in such a way that says, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for what you have given me in your Son. For what blessings are yours through the work of Christ, Christian? You're granted forgiveness, full forgiveness and grace. You are adopted and granted a new identity in him. You love by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you in the trust that you will be with him and the Father and the Spirit now and forever. But yet to pray in this way is not just a reminder of a doctrine lesson. And that can be some of the temptation when we work our way through the catechism. We kind of glaze over in a, yeah, I know this kind of way. And while it's not less than a doctrine lesson, it is the teaching of the scriptures, it's more. Because the more that we come to know Christ and come to know the Father through him, we're overwhelmed by those very basic things. They don't become less genuine and awesome to us. They become more so. That every time we pray, they become more dear and more sweet. We are overwhelmed by that basic awesomeness more and more, which leads us to better understand what it is to to live a spiritual life, but then to go forth from that prayer, even as we continue to pray without ceasing, to live a physical life in full dependence upon every promise of that basic awesomeness. Knowing that he will care for us, knowing that he will bring us again and again to that childlike awe and reverence and trust, that through Christ, God has become our Father, And will much less refuse to give us the things we ask in faith than will our parents refuse us the things of his life. And so we will revere him. That our prayers will will come and adore him. Not only in our worship, but a trust and dependence upon him as we serve him. We will revere him and trust him best as we call out to him in prayer. So ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's the promise of your father to you and his son. For everyone who asks, receives. You have a promise. The one who seeks, finds. You have a promise. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. You have a promise. Or do you doubt the basic awesomeness of the father? Because that will lead us to stay away. It will lead us away from our knees. It will lead us away from a dependence upon him. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? None of you. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? None of you. And yet, maybe that's what you believe about the Father. I've been praying for these things for a long time, and I never get what I want. I've been praying, Pastor, for these good things, for these noble things, and he's not working. No, he is. Because he has granted you, even in these words, a guarantee that what? He will provide what is necessary and what is best. He will give you a faith, never doubting but trusting him and praying to him always, no matter the answer he sends. I trust God so much that I do not doubt that he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to me for my good, whatever adversity he sends me in this veil of tears. That is a faith, not only to hold on to and believing, but one to give witness to as we're praying. That God, you are basically awesome in all that you do, in all that you speak, in all you have given by way of your word, in all that you have brought into my life and our life. And I want to revere you for it. I want to trust you for it. I want to pray to you in that knowledge and that faith that you, God, who are awesome, give as you see best, knowing that you have given me the best thing in your son. For he will do all that he has promised, and immeasurably more than that, because he is majestically almighty, and that in the second place. Because in that nearness, and again, that's, that's that weird bit of that pendulum swing in our praying. That either it becomes very familiar and very colloquial, or it is though the Father is very, very far away and distant. And so it needs to swing in the middle. It needs to remain there. And so as we come to one so much greater and higher above anyone that we can come to, asking for the things of this life, where are we coming to? Where have we come even this morning? Not just to an address in West Olive, we are brought in Christ where? To the right hand of Father where he is seated. That every time we're calling out to our Father, that is where we are brought in Christ. That is where we reside spiritually, certainly, but in the life to come, and that life eternal, that is where we will always be. Coming into the throne room of heaven to ask for what we need from one made our Father through the sacrifice of His one and only Son. We come before majestic greatness. Do we remember that? To the effulgence of His glory. To the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. The only one sovereign over us and all things. A majesty that is beyond our comprehension. And that privilege should humble us too. In every way. For that majesty even now is what separates Him from us. Again, His glory would overwhelm and destroy us apart from the saving grace of our Saviour. And yet we're called to come and to ask and to seek and to knock, knowing that he is good and faithful and kind, but knowing that he is also able, able to give and to provide and do so in the fullness of his goodness and splendor. But why do we struggle to do this? I mean, in all of this, he is, he is basically awesome. He says you should come. He commands you to do it, ask, seek, knock. You're going to find every promise is there, all of the reality the same. But why do we struggle to come and pray? We know the access that we have. We know he is omnipotent and almighty. So why don't I take those couple minutes, which should be more than a couple minutes, but even at base level, why not? It's because we struggle with reverence and trust. It's because maybe we struggle relating to our fathers, because we as fathers are not always faithful. We don't always give every good and perfect thing, and yet every father desires to do that, every good father anyway. We long to care, we long to provide. We want to hear our children, we want to care for our needs. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Even though you're sinful, you know how to give good things. Somebody asks you for something, you want to provide it. So if we wouldn't hesitate to come, even to them, to fathers who are going to fall short and who can't get it right every time, even at times where we think there is no possible way that they could give us or provide for us what we ask, then why do we hesitate to come? To the one who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or think. Why don't we come? It's because we think of his majesty and glory and power in earthly terms that we're settling for far too less, far too little. When God says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. We think of his majesty and glory and power in earthly terms with the limits which ours, as his finite beings have. With our sense and our reason rather than truly bowing before him in thanks and trust and sure hope. And so that's why we say our Father who art in heaven. Words that teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way. In that scorecard of what we have or what we've been given or what we see. But to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. Because every good and every perfect gift, James 1, comes from the Father above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He doesn't change. He won't fall short. He will always keep his promise. So how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What a confidence is ours majestic, he is a king, almighty, he is able, so ask and don't doubt, for we have confidence, First John 5, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked for in him, so ask, don't hold back, ask, Oh, he doesn't care about that. Ask. It's very little and mundane. Ask. Don't chide your children when they talk about their shoelaces and thankfulness for them and for shoes and for butterflies and for grass. Don't. Ask. Ask. There is no request too small or too great because he is majestically almighty. His royal reign is one of authority over all things. His almighty nature guarantees that good will prevail and will be worked always, even if we cannot understand what that goodness is in the moment. Ask. It should drive us to Him. And keep driving us to Him, to our Father who is faithful, praying that the Lord's work would be done in redeeming this world in His Son and Spirit. And if you're frustrated... If you're discouraged and you're praying, I come to this Father and I don't see change. These are the big things that we ask for, but where is the difference? We do not become discouraged, wondering if the things we're praying about are too big to change or if they will ever change because we pray to one who is majestically almighty. So keep praying to the Lord that he would bring salvation to those that you know caught up in the evil ills of our day. Keep praying for those children of yours that have rejected Christ. Keep praying. Keep praying that the murder of the unborn would end. Keep praying that the broken sexual ethics of our day would end. That the abuses of the political power would end. That the sorrow brought by the sins of gender confusion would be no more. That the struggles of addiction of every sort would never again be known. That the hurts of those who reject the Lord and His word would be ended and their hearts would be changed. And we can trust that because he is majestically awesome. Request not too big for our almighty God. And so keep praying big in testimony of your reverence and trust. And when it's more personal than that, when you've been directly hurt physically or emotionally, even spiritually by such action or by the persecution of such a witness of dependence upon and faith in this majestically awesome God, you can have every reason and moment to trust that he is ruling and he is the God almighty to bring about reversal and redemption. Don't doubt. Because even all of those things that are happening right now and will happen come not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. Because he is majestically almighty, even in our prayers, we can and must rest in his providence. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them, that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things in fact come to us not by chance but by his fatherly hand and why can we trust this because he is our father he who did not spare his own son romans 8:32 but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things And that allows us to rest. To pray and to rest. I know that he is almighty. I will always be found in a relationship no matter what. As I am found in his son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let that confession, let that testimony help you in those moments. Where you're tempted to curse God. Where you're tempted to doubt his faithfulness. Because he has shown you in your life the wonder of His majesty, that He is almighty in all that He has made and how He has wonderfully and fearfully made you, how He has saved you in His Son. You have no reason to doubt or to curse Him. He is your help and shield that you may always run to. He is the one who always hears you and always works for you and always fights for you to bring you near to Himself in His Son and Spirit. So ask for that pray for that. For how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity. And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. Brothers and sisters, make that good confession. He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He is willing to do this because he's a faithful father. So when you're praying, when you take those words on your lips, our father who art in heaven, give witness as you pray in his name, as you worship in his name, to that proper reverence and trust as you give yourself to depending upon him for all things. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and merciful Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the truth of it, for its comfort. Father, for the ways in which that prayer continues, not only to delight you, but Father, to be a witness to you of who you are and what you have done and what you've promised. And so, Father, if we're discouraged in our prayer life, if, Father, we are discouraged by those big things that we ask, And it doesn't seem like there's any change, but it's only getting worse. Father, keep changing us. Keep drawing us close to you. Help us to keep walking that long road of obedience and prayer. But Father, it's not just mere obedience, it's relationship. And so as we walk with you, may we continue coming to you for wisdom and insight and direction and provision. Yes, for all things knowing that you are good and faithful and kind and righteous altogether to do all things for our good and for your glory. Father, we pray then that you would continue to do that for us, for our church. We pray, Father, that as we give an offering for the gems this morning as well, Lord, that you would continue in the prayers that these young girls offer in the life of godliness that they are led to. Father, may you receive all the praise and glory for it. Father, hear our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name.